This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Angel Baker Guillen. And I'm Barbara Ramirez. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. This evening, we showcase youth leadership in our community. We bring you a conversation with 17-year-old Generation Justice member, Jamal Sanchez, about his journey as a runner and what has inspired him to run for 12 years. And 16-year-old Ivan Torres, district lead of Diversify Our Narrative of Rio Rancho Public Schools, shares about how he got involved in policy work and the importance of being engaged in our community. Both Jamal and Ivan attend VSU Cleveland High School. The first song of the program is Young by Andy Minio featuring KB. Never turn back. I really ain't missing nothing. Still live for myself. I'll be living for the mission of the king that will soon be coming. Sin over promise. Under the livers. I ain't with the nonsense. I'm in the scriptures. Get to know early. I tell them why I wait. So I'ma serve them all my days. It don't matter if I'm young. DJ member Jamal Sanchez is a 17-year-old citizen of the Pueblo of San Felipe. He's currently attending VSU Cleveland High School as a senior, and he has run cross country ever since he was in kindergarten. He's also an athlete in the sport of track and field. Jamal Sanchez has been offered a scholarship to run cross country at Southwestern College in Kansas. Now, 16-year-old Emilio Bovalet speaks with DJ member and athlete Jamal Sanchez. This is Emilio Bovalet with Generation Justice. I'm speaking with GJ member Jamel Sanchez, a citizen of the Pueblo of San Felipe. He's currently attending VSU Cleveland High School as a senior. He runs cross country for about 12 years since he was in kindergarten. Jamel has been offered a scholarship to run cross country at Southwestern College, Kansas. Jamel, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you for having me. Um, please tell us more about yourself, man. Uh, so I'm 17 years old. Like you said, I'm a senior in high school. I will be a freshman at Southwestern College in Kansas in the fall of 2022. I have been offered a scholarship to run cross country and track there as well. And yeah, I've been running cross country for 12 years. I'm currently in my off season right now. So I'm getting ready for track and to dominate there as well. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. So um, could you tell us more about your journey as a runner? Like, you know, your, your path, how did you get into it? Uh, so I started cross country in kindergarten and I was looking through a bunch of photos and I saw a picture of my uncle as a cross country runner. And also the next day at school, um, we got a flyer uh, for cross country. And I just thought, hey, why not give it a shot? See if I might like it. 12 years in the line, I actually begin to love it. Uh, there's been some bumps and nails in the road, as you could say, with the journey of cross country. Uh, freshman year, I actually fractured my ankle in three places, so I couldn't run track that year. It was right after cross country as well. And also two years into high school, I ended up having shin splints and then the next year I ended up having a knee problem 
which hurt me really much. And this season, I also had shin splints again. So being a cross-country runner, it takes a toll on you, but it also makes you love it at the same time. When you're in the blazing heat or in the freezing wind, either you'll love it or you hate it. One of the two. <laughs> I mean, to be an athlete, I mean, it's it's painful. It is painful, but yeah. you have you have the perseverance and the resilience to push through. So that is that is definitely very hard. Um. So yeah, who's inspired you throughout your running career? You know, who's been there for you? My whole family has been by my side the whole cross country journey, along with once I transferred high schools. Uh, also, my girlfriend right now who has has motivated me and pushed me, especially this season being my season senior season. She has been every day just like pushing me. She will all she would use like a Letterman jacket as motivation for me to wanting one and getting one to push me to get faster and run, get at that varsity level. And then my family has been there since day one, from kindergarten to senior year. They've always been there. They've always given me advice and pushed me, motivated me to get better, make myself want better, want to get better. And also, I also motivated myself. You can always give yourself like props, just having that mindset to, giving yourself that motivation to get faster to do better whether it be in cross-country basketball or any sport oh, that's good that is always good to have people behind you always pushing you to be your best so yeah. what does being a runner mean to you being a runner mean to me means having the will to do anything that's impossible like for example when we're out there in the blazing heat at the beginning of the season, you have to get used to that heat and hydrate, hydrate, hydrate all the time. And then towards the end of the season, like November time, it gets, it tends to get a little more cold. So you always have to be prepared and being a runner you always have to be prepared for any type of situation, whether it be heat, rain, snow, wind. And you also have to be prepared for all the terrains that you have to run on and all of the difficult parts of the course, like hills, sand, asphalt, concrete, grass, turf, anything like that. And it's the will to not give up when you want to, especially during a race it feels like you want to give up, like you're tired, you're seeing tunnel vision, you're hungry, you're thirsty, anything like that. You have to have that will to drive in any difficult situation or to be prepared also and to be motivated as well. That's, that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy, man. Um, yeah. I mean, to have that much strength to... To push through all of it. I ran for a little bit and man, oh no. <laughs> but um, how has it helped you through your life? It helped me, it helps me through my life. Like I use running like to relieve stress, also to just be at peace with myself. And it 
helps me with school as well. If I'm stressed with all of that, it helps me get relaxed, helps me focus. And it pushed me to bring out another side of me that I had not brought out of me yet. And in life, it's just, it helps me set me up for life. Like I use it for motivation and I use cross country as a metaphor for everything. Like for example, the start of the race, I use that part as like the early part of your life when you wanna grow up, when you want to be an adult already. And then once you hit that first mile, I use it like as a little kid growing into a teenager with all of that, you have the tools that you need. So now you need to use it for the rest of your life. And the second mile I use that for when you're like a teenager going into an adult where you feel like you wanna give up sometimes, you wanna stop, take a break and all of that. And you just gotta keep going with that. Yeah, and I use the third mile going to the finish line as you've achieved what you wanted to achieve and that you're almost at the finish line, you're almost there. Just keep pushing, go for it, go for it all, grab all the marbles, all of that is what I use the third mile as. I mean, clearly it has it influenced you a lot because that's really smart. That is really smart to break it down and to think of your run as your life, really. I mean, it's, it's smart. It's very smart. Um, is there anyone you'd like to thank that has helped you to get where you are today? Yeah, of course. I would just like to thank all of you guys, the GJ fam, and just for the support that you guys brought me when I told you guys about my running. And also my family who's been there since day one, my friends who I've met in cross country that I have grown great relationships with. I still talk to even during the off season. I still see them in the halls at school. I still see them at lunch and all of that. And of course, I like to thank my girlfriend as well. She's pushed me since we've met in sophomore year. She's pushed me to do get better and to chase after that varsity spot. And knowing that she, my family and you guys and GJ are by my side, it really helps me in cross country and it motivates me to even do better as well. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm, we're always here for you, like forever. I mean, you are, you are one of us. And if you ever need anything, we're, we're, we're behind you. And that's, that's always good to have people behind your back. So what is next for you, you know, in college, maybe after college, but what do you think you're going to do? Next in college is obviously to run cross country and track. And after college, after I graduate, hoping to actually give back to the community and coach cross country as well. I've always wanted to coach ever since I've done it. And also to coach cross country and basketball and track all at one school, just to give back to the community for what they've given me an opportunity to expand my running after high school into college and hopefully make it to the olympics if i can thank you man that's my dream goal too yeah (laughs) go for it go for it yeah do you have anything else you'd like to add uh it's just 
to all of you listening who want to do cross country, go for it. It's a fun opportunity. And obviously cross country is going to be hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat that part. We all know that running is hard, whether you're in basketball, softball, soccer, even basketball, or I said basketball, but uh, baseball and all of that. Just go for it. You may, next thing you know, you may end up winning a race like I did at uh, the Metro Championships. Winning that Open B race was the highlight of my whole cross-country career and also getting that scholarship opportunity to run at a college. So I would just say go for it. Even it may be hard, but you just got to persevere and get through that. For sure, for sure, man. I mean, I'd like to thank you for being like an inspiration, an inspiration to everyone, to all the kids here in New Mexico. I mean, to to be like getting scholarships to college, to be pushing through, to be, you know, truly dedicated to a sport like this. It takes a lot of work and it's truly inspirational. So I'd like to thank you for your strength and your perseverance through through all your struggles. You know, it's it's honestly very motivating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you guys for this opportunity. For Generation Justice, I'm Emilio Bovale. Thank you for this great interview, Jamal. I'm so grateful to know someone as inspiring as you are. Here at Generation Justice, we are so proud of you and happy to see you accomplish your dreams. Thank you, Jamal, for being an inspiration to New Mexico youth. Your perseverance and willingness to follow your dreams have led you to where you are today. You're an example to all of us, and congratulations on your amazing scholarship. Damal wanted to share these two songs with all of you. Enjoy Head Up High by Fitz, followed by Stars in the Sky by Northern Creek. Ivan Torres is a 16-year-old junior at the Cleveland High School in Rio Rancho. He is deeply involved in policy change in New Mexico and at the national level. Some of his roles include Director of Students for Policy Change, current District Lead for Diversify Our Narrative of Rio Rancho Public Schools, and President of the Speech and Debate Club at his high school. Now 17-year-old Jacqueline Wynn speaks with Ivan Torres. This is Jacqueline Wynn with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Ivan Torres. He serves in various leadership roles, including district lead of Diversify Our Narrative of Rio Rancho Public Schools. Ivan, welcome to Generation Justice. Hi, I'm happy to be with you. Um, so please tell us more about yourself. So um, growing up, I grew up in New Mexico with a whole host of experiences that are unique to our state. Um, I'm a child of immigrants who had came to New Mexico in the United States, um, which was my great grandmother. 
and seeing the progressions throughout history and our political spheres changing more and more, I see how important it is for youth to be involved in politics and take up leadership roles when we don't see change we want happening in our own communities occurring. Thank you so much for that. So what led for you to become more involved in policy work? So I think the beginning of my policy work kind of stemmed with diversifier narrative. I had served on the National Policy Department um, for a year and then take us in a step back after just to be district lead um, because work in school <laughs> becomes stressful. But um, I think the main thing really is that social studies in our state and English standards have been lagging really far behind considering that a majority of the student population within our state demographically is made up of minorities. And with that, our education system needs to be centered around elevating those messages and not kind of obfuscating history to edit out the worst parts and only pre present the best to students. We need a full and accurate representation of history. And I think all of my policy work has been centered at that in the state at national level. I love that. I definitely agree with you. Thank you for that. Um, so I'm interested to know more about Diversifier Narrative. Yeah. So Diversifier Narrative is a national coalition made up of about 2,000 students from everywhere. And basically our main goal is, is to change educational standards to have and be the most inclusive they possibly can be. Throughout my time at Diversifier Narrative on the National Policy Department, we worked on the passage of AB 101, uh, a bill in California that made ethnic studies a requirement for any high school student to graduate. Um, this was an incredible success and really looking at that from um, a macro scale, it really needs to be replicated across the nation because ethnic studies is a free set of history that everyone needs to learn about um, because our standards as they stand today just aren't suited for education and may have been in you know the 1950s and 60s, but things have changed much over time and arming students with the tools to notice fractures in their government and their political systems is of the utmost importance. Thank you. Um, so what does your role as the district lead of Diversify Our Narrative for Rio Rancho Public School mean? So my role is really to facilitate my team's work and effort across the state. Um, during this kind of transitional period with COVID, we've, like we were doing now, have had a lot of virtual meetings, which has made things easier and harder in some ways. Um, but we are mainly focused on our policy work and with the social studies changes that the public education department of our state is considering, um, my team and I uh, played a role in kind of that development and the process in which that had occurred. Um, I'd actually talked with Nas Jones at KUNM about that a couple months ago when I was interviewed there. Um, but our role is to pungently understand and try to propose policy and work with other coalitions to create policy change in a multifaceted factors, not just necessarily education. Um, I've worked with Moms Demand Action across the state um, with Deborah Baca and other individuals on, you know, preventing student violence or not student violence, but necessarily gun violence happening at schools and how they could be more inclusive and safer spaces. Thank you so much. Your like role is so inspiring, like what you're doing for everyone. I'd also like to hear more about your role as the National Director of Students for Policy Change. 
Yeah, so Students for Policy Changes, um, I kind of created my own organization to, to take on my own initiatives that I had personally feel a really deep connection about. And we're a national organization um, like Diversifier Narrative, but we aren't so focused on necessarily education policy. Um, the idea that I had of Students for Policy Change was it to be more of a policy institute that you would see in a traditional sense. Um, of course, we see these K Street lobbyist firms in Washington, D.C. that literally have departments covering from social spending to national defense and development. And they have a host of experts that work there lobbying and working on bills to get passed or to not pass them. And I thought, well, why couldn't students copy this kind of framework that had already been established and has worked, um, of course, with large financial donations from corporations, we don't like that, um, but kind of use that and arm ourselves as students um, to do it in a more, use it in our favor, rather, and that's kind of what we did with Students for Policy Change, and my idea was, is it, we aren't necessarily a one-topic uh, organization, we have a broad spectrum of things that fall under the gambit of what we do from, um, you know, revamping the state's standards for electricity and power grids to make them more energy efficient, to allowing for the tax deductions of power, of solar panels in an individual's home, and everything from that to secure, securing weapons. And then we're planning on lobbying for the passage of the bill, hopefully this year, to get 16 and 17 year olds the right to vote and indigenous tribes and communities in our state receiving money from the federal and state government to have these infrastructure improvements and requirements that have long been lacking, such as water, electricity, and other vital necessities that many of us enjoy in our day-to-day -day lives. I think that's so cool. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you also have an exciting role that's coming up this year with Bio Rancho School Board. Um, yes, so in the development of my a very political lifestyle. Um, during COVID, I think all of us students had kind of seen our school leadership make very split second decisions on how the operation of schools would kind of be and what it would look like. But very, very few times had we ever seen school districts consult students in the consideration of these decisions. Um, and I had kind of been always watching the school board meetings on YouTube because that's where they had been streamed. Um, and I had noticed that there was a public comment about uh, more student representation in making these decisions. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm not necessarily afraid to, you know, throw my hat in the ring and to be loud and proud <laughs> in a sense. So I had emailed a board member, uh, Catherine Cullen, about more student representation on the Board of Education and creating something called the Student Board. And um, through the past year and over the summer, we had worked on this plan and it had got approved by the full Board of Education for Rancho Public Schools. So we are actually now in the development process of what these, um, what the student board would look like and having students on the board such as myself. Yeah, that's so cool. Having student representatives, like we definitely need that. Um, what inspires you to do this important work? So like I mentioned earlier, my abuelita was, well, my great abuelita rather, was an immigrant from Mexico. And she came to the United States and came to California and she worked in years in the farm and um, in domestic roles and jobs. Um, but through everything that she experienced, she was uh, mistreated by you know, owners of farms because they use their immigration status against individuals. Um, she was, 
othered when she worked in um, predominantly wealthy communities as a cleaner or a maid or childcare. Um, and she, she demonstrated to me that if you don't try to improve your conditions, they simply won't. Um, she actually tells me this story about how she had worked for this family in Camarillo in California, and they were a wealthy family. And um, she had ended up working there every single day, Monday through Friday. And she had gotten, she'd figured out as time went on that she had, was getting paid less than the maid that worked on the weekend. So she had went to the, um, I guess her boss, um, which was this woman, the, the wife of her husband, the wife of this man who hired her, um, and she was the wife, and my abuelita demanded a higher raise or she would quit on the spot, and to much avail, she got the raise, and actually, um, that was most surprising to me is after that, um, she developed a relationship with her, and that, that rich um, white woman that kind of lived in her own societal bubble for her entire life, kind of, it ended up becoming popped, and she had learned about the disparities between immigrant labor and how they were taken advantage of and how Cesar Chavez actually had a point um, because she lived through all this. She lived through the development of the farm worker unionization and still seeing everything today. But um, as a retired person now, she just tells me about all these stories. And I really realized that if she didn't take the action that she did, nothing would have been done. Her conditions wouldn't have proved, improved and someone's perception of um, an immigrant group might have never changed. And that's really what pushes me to keep fighting is that our conditions aren't great, but if we don't move to improve them, they never will. So everyone has to take individual steps towards a positive future. Wow, that was so beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Like, oh, I can kind of like, I've never met your abuelita, but I can tell that like I can kind of see the fire that is in you yeah oh yeah I got it I got it 100% from her <laughs> um so what is your message to the youth my message really is if you see something that you want happening that isn't being done don't wait for someone else to do it take it upon yourself and do the action yourself. Because if I didn't do that, we wouldn't be in the position we are today where there is an opportunity for students to be represented on the board. There is an opportunity for students to change policy at the state level, affecting thousands of students. And if I didn't speak up, there wouldn't be changes in having voting for 16, 17 year olds or advocating for things like that or having more rights for indigenous communities that have so often been overlooked in our state and our national politics in general. We need to stop waiting for someone to do it and be the change ourselves. Definitely, for sure. Like, I definitely agree. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add? I think really, as individual people, we need to realize, and students particularly, that we're not undergoing the typical political system that we have seen for years and years. We're seeing a political realignment in our nation, one in which we haven't seen I really think since the 17 and 1800s, um, where politics is less and less controlled by the masses and controlled by a select few of individual. And those individuals are exerting extreme political power on our systems from the national to the judiciary, to even our state systems. We need to look at all of the, actor, all of the actors 
supporting and going against pieces of legislation to get a comprehensive understanding of who really wants things to pass, who does it benefit, and learn how to critically question the understanding that is perpetuated by some people and to dig deeper. Um, I think so often we are taught a very surface level analysis of things, but oftentimes it's more of a footnote in a textbook than really a chapter. And that's what I'm, I'm proposing. Students look into things very comprehensively and thoroughly. Don't take your education at face value. Take it farther. Take it where you want it to go. Like, for example, in history, I'm an AP United States history in my school, and it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't examine the critical issues of our nation. And so, of course, I took it upon myself, and I conducted research with a group of my friends at my school, and we had learned things we had never, ever imagined before about our nation. Things like Harry Tubman was a Confederate war general for the Union, things that our school and our school system can intentionally obfuscates from us because it doesn't perpetuate the perfect society a myth that is oftentimes demonstrated by, you know, mass corporations that make textbooks like Pearson and others. Um, and I think the development of educational standards that are accurate and comprehensive and include all stakeholders when you're developing them is absolutely essential for the functioning and understanding of students when, when teaching students about democratic processes, excuse me, and our system of government in general. Yes, absolutely. Um, so where can people find more information about your work and diversify our narrative? So diversify our narrative, um, we have a website, it's literally diversifyournarrative.com, but you can just Google diversify our narrative, it's typically the first link. Um, Students for Policy Change, we're still in the development stage for our website. Um, so that isn't up yet, but of course, um, people that want to get more involved, um, I could give you my email or any of that and they could reach out to me that way if they're students. Um, but I feel like just student empowerment in general is just super important and students being able to kind of take the power into their own hands. Um, so I want to thank you, Yvonne, for that. I think that your work is so inspiring and like at such a young age, you've done so much. Um, like oftentimes youth are perceived as like uninvolved and like they don't care, but I think we really do care. It's just we're kind of scared sometimes. And I think seeing someone like you do so much, it's so inspiring and empowering. And I think it'll definitely make people want to be out there more. Thank you so much, Jackie. I appreciate it. For Generation Justice, I'm Jacqueline Moy. Yvonne, thank you so much for all the work that you have been doing to make a change. You're truly a leader in our community. The story of your abuelita demanding justice was so powerful and beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that precious story with all of us. Thank you, Ivan, for your involvement in our communities and for speaking about youth being involved in policy change. It is very important for youth voices to be heard. The next music piece you will hear is a trap instrumental by King Jasper, Seals, and Croft Summer, a song that our guest Ivan Torres listens to when he's studying.
COVID-19 cases are on the rise and it is important to stay safe and get vaccinated. We need to work together to protect each other to end this deadly global pandemic. Booster shots are now available to all eligible New Mexico residents 12 years and older. If you haven't gotten vaccinated or if you need to get your booster shot, you can visit cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. Again, that's cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. Testing is essential to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and variants like Omicron. At-home COVID-19 tests are now available to everyone. You can order yours by visiting usps.com. Again, that's usps.com. To place your order, fill out your contact and shipping information. Remember, there is a limit of one order per residential address. One order includes four individual rapid antigen tests. If you need to get a PCR COVID-19 test, you can schedule an appointment at curative.com. Again, that's curative.com. Don't forget to get your COVID-19 vaccines, follow COVID safety measures, and get tested to help stop the global deadly pandemic. We hope you enjoyed this hour of youth empowerment. We'd like to thank our guests, Jamel Sanchez and Ivan Torres. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Roberta Rael with production assistance from myself, Barbara Ramirez, and additional support from my co-hosts, Angel Baker Guillén and Rachel Riley. A special thank you to our interviewers, Emilio Bobalet and Jacqueline Wing. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, the Conalma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you, who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. Our opening song is Youth of a Nation by POD. Our last songs of the night include Hey Young World by Fashan and Exile. I am Angel Baker-Guillen. And I'm Barbara Ramirez. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word. So stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Buenas noches, Nuevo Mexico, and thank you for listening. <laughs>